What's going on, everybody? It is Michael Hunter. This is the ACC Basketball Report. I appreciate you guys taking the time to tune in today. Today, I got a very nice guest for you guys, Kevin Sweeney of CBB Central. Join me, and we're going to take a look at the ACC Big Ten Challenge matchups. And just like we did last year, we're going to make some picks, you know, discuss, you know, everything about the whole challenge. I have not been watching a ton of Big Ten basketball, so it's always nice to bring a guy like Kevin on who you know, keeps up on everything and knows the Big Ten like the back of his hand. So, <clears throat> again, we did it last year. I think I eked him out by one. Um, we have some very different picks this year, so it's, that should make it fun. And I'm not going to waste a whole lot of time on the intro today because there's really no need to, I don't believe. It's just me and Kevin bullshitting about the ACC and the Big Ten. So, here he is, Kevin Sweeney. Mr. Kevin Sweeney, how you doing, man? Hey, hey, how are you, buddy? Not bad, not bad at all. Just uh, just got done sweating out uh, a game against Bethune-Cookman at home because... I saw that, yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, I just uh, I appreciate you taking the time. I'll, uh, I know you got your podcast to do tonight, so I'll get you out of here quick. Um, we're going to take, uh, for those of you who don't know, we're going to preview the ACC Big Ten preview, or the ACC Big Ten Challenge tonight real quick before we get into that kevin anything surprising or any specific takes you you came away from feast week with no i mean i think a lot of feast week really just kind of told me what i thought i already knew and that there was no real elite team in the country Uh, i think michigan's obviously the big takeaway it's not really a hot take here but uh you know he obviously they were really good and uh, looked the part. I was just so so surprised by their depth, and I'm sure we'll touch on them a little bit with the Michigan Louisville game. But I thought that was a three man team, and they've looked far more than that. So much credit to Juwan Howard there. Yeah, I uh, I, I didn't have them ranked um, in my top 25 this past week, and they're going to go from unranked to I'm thinking probably somewhere in the six to eight range for me next week. Um, I, I I've been. Uh, I guess surprised, I guess, at how Juwan Howard has continued um, kind of the beeline way of life in Ann Arbor. I think it's been it's been incredible. Yeah, it's been nice because they, they do some different stuff. Certainly, it's obviously not the same offense, but uh, you know, I think I think he understands the culture that he walked into, and I think one of the, the big things with with coaches is like you don't need to change everything just for the sake of changing everything, and sure. like. Juwan Howard knew he was walking into an amazing situation with an amazing culture, and like you don't need to mess with that. Just like put those talented players in the best position to succeed. And I think I probably overlooked some of the talent on Michigan's roster and, and kind of attributed it so much to the coaching of D-line when in fact you know, he had recruited and developed so well. And so, um, like I said, a lot of credit there. So jumping into the preview this year, I think it's going to be interesting because I don't, I haven't watched a ton of Big Ten so far. I've watched enough to have an opinion on most of these teams. ACC, I think everyone would agree, is a little bit down this year. I think the the middle is we expected it to be a little bit soft, but I think it's it's a lot softer than we anticipated. Um, what are your thoughts overall on the Big Ten so far? Yeah, I think the top is stronger than I expected. If nothing else, because Maryland's come out and played about as expected, not better. Uh, obviously, Michigan, who we just mentioned, Ohio State looks like you know much better than we expected as well. Uh, I think 
the question this year compared to last year with the Big Ten was always going to be the middle, just like you mentioned with the ACC, uh, because last year the middle of the Big Ten was just so strong, really, uh, through about 12. It was just so tough night in, night out. And uh, I don't necessarily think we've seen a ton to suggest that it will be as strong as it was last year, but I don't think anything is as strong as it was last year in college. So I'm not saying that last year isn't particularly strong year. It's feel like this year is a particularly weak year. We're still learning a lot about a lot of these teams in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Indiana, for instance, undefeated, but hasn't played anyone. And and so, obviously, that's a challenge there. And, and there are some teams in the Big Ten who just have played a really soft schedule so far. But I think the middle is still kind of where money will be made. And the question is, how good is that core? I think Iowa, for instance, beating Texas Tech was a good statement that they can be, you know, promising. Whereas Wisconsin's lost three games so far, have struggled. Maybe they're not in such a good spot right now. Yeah, I was uh, kind of a shocker. We'll get to that one in a second because that's going to be an interesting matchup um, as well. Uh, kicking it off Monday night, seven o'clock. The Hurricanes, Miami, travel to Champaign to play Illinois. Um, I thought Miami had, um, you know, kind of seven, eight range in the ACC for an upside, and so far this year have not looked good at all. I haven't thought. Um, I thought that, you know, with, with the front court depth that they had this year, it would be better than last year, but they just kind of looked, you know, a little discombobulated. Isaiah Wong hasn't been great. I think Harlan Beverly's played pretty well for a freshman, but I'm kind of down on this Miami team. In that reason, I guess I lean towards the home team, which Illinois hasn't been great either, but I, I like Illinois at home in this. Yeah, it's one of those games that Illinois better win, right? I right. mean, I, I think they, they're, they're, they're probably the better team, uh, I think Kofi Cookburn has a chance to really, uh, you know, make a dent in the in this front court. Illinois is still really trying to figure things out uh, with him and Bashanishvili up front. Uh, I think they they get way too reliant on the outside shot at times. They have, they have you know guys who can really drive the hole like an Iowa Sunmu, but I think falls in love with a three at times. And Andres Feliz really has, to, had, has had to bail them out a couple times this season, which I think if you told Illinois fans that they need to be bailed out by what their fifth best player preseason at best that they would not have been overly confident but you know, they've been able to make it out without a bad loss so far uh this is the type of game at home you have to have here illinois i think they do find a way because uh you know miami like you said the front court just isn't where it needs to be right now i think you know ideally they'll get keystone back and be a little bit better but right now uh, i think i i think i like the line here yeah you know one quick note on illinois um we talk about this miami front court illinois is the best offensive rebounding team in the country right now at almost 50 percent um i think cockburn can just he's gonna eat i think all night on that and on the just you know i see sam wardenberg trying to match up with you know seven foot 300 pound kofi cockburn it's just not something that's going to work out well for miami no, yeah, that's 100%, 100% agree, and uh, that, that, that rebounding number is pretty, pretty impressive. They were not that good in that area last year. Uh, I, I was, I've been surprised at how good Kofi has been so far. Yes, yes, I think so too. Um, the late game, the second game, um, only two games on Monday night. Clemson travels to Minnesota in a game that I probably won't watch a whole lot of just because I'm not really a big fan of the matchup. Uh, I think Clemson's got more talent. Minnesota... I, I don't know if they have the coaching edge. I, I don't really think anybody has the coaching edge in this game, but they are the home team in this game. I think Clemson can go on the road and get the win. I haven't seen a whole lot of Minnesota. I think they. I think Clemson has the best player on the floor in Tevin Mack, but I don't know if this team's going to travel real well. I guess if I had to pick, I would. I would pick Clemson on the road. 
I think Minnesota's do. Like they're three and four, but their four losses are to Oklahoma, Butler, Utah, and DePaul. Mm-hmm. All of them by single digits. Uh, three of those on road or neutral courts. Like I, I'm not a buyer of this Minnesota team by any means. I think them consistently losing to teams that you're going to pencil in probably somewhere near the bubble. Utah probably a little bit off it. Uh, like doesn't really bode well for the rest of this year, but. I do think, you know, they're really good up front with Oturu, who's been absolutely terrific this year. Marcus Carr's been solid. Uh, Kalsher can really shoot the basketball. They're not overly deep, but I, I just think they find a way at home in, in a game that is very much a 50-50 game. I think they're due for one, and they, they, they do steal this one uh, at the barn. Yeah, with two evenly matched teams like this, I think it makes sense to go with the home team. I just think Clemson might have a little bit more talent. Um, moving on to Tuesday night, that Iowa team that we mentioned going to the Carrier Dome, seven o'clock tip against Syracuse. I did a I did a podcast with JW earlier on uh, making the madness, and he specifically asked me, "Does Syracuse suck?" And I couldn't really come up with a good reason to say no. Um, I think you know we've been looking at a team that's had a bad offense for the last few years, and now they don't have the individual talent to kind of prop that up. And even though they're at home, even though the carry dome can, can be a home court advantage, this Iowa team has kind of surprised me a little bit so far this season. And if Jordan Bohannon continues to play well, I like Iowa on the road here. Yeah, this is another, another pretty tough one uh, to call. I think Iowa match is a tough matchup for a zone team because of the amount of shooters they have. You know, Bohannon's back and playing well. CJ Frederick can, shoot the lights out guards is a guy who can either ha- kind of hang on that dunker spot or come up and play in the mid range. I think they'll miss Jack Nunji in this game. Uh, for some reason, people thought that Syracuse would be, you know, fine on offense. Like you said, because getting rid of battle and O'Shea was like some of them to help their offense because they were inefficient. And like on paper, like, yes, getting rid of a bunch of inefficient offensive players can lead to better offense, but you have to replace them with competent offensive players. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, Hughes is there. He's, ball- he's doing his thing. Beheim, I think will get there, but like, like Joe Girard, I've been watching this kid since he was in eighth grade. He's a you know fun, fun basketball player to watch. Like he can really score the basketball, but like he's not an ACC point guard as a freshman. Right. That was just never going to work, and it, it, it's going to be trouble. I think Syracuse will look better on offense in this game as a product of Iowa being you know not the best defensive team in the world. Um, but I do think Iowa. Uh, Iowa on the road. See, see, now I'm starting to back myself into like Syracuse finding way in this game. This feels like a, a random Syracuse win. Not, we're rolling Syracuse. Why not? Yeah. I have no justification for why Syracuse <laughs> is going to win. Other than like they're at home, I feel like they're going to find a way. Yeah, I think with, with the offense thing, it's, it's also, you know, if it's going to be addition by subtraction, you have to have some kind of system in place. And right. Syracuse... It doesn't look like they really run anything. I mean, they run some some double screens and some stuff like that, but it's it turns into being just a one on one or a pull up from Buddy Beheim or something like that, and hoping that either Dolajai or Sidibe can can get it on the offensive glass. It's just it looks really disorganized. <clears throat> yeah, no, I would I would one hundred percent agree, and I think uh, the thing is when you're a team that's this young that has questions at the point guard position uh, that it, it, it you just have to play a little bit faster and. You know, they they got into this habit of just grinding. Every, I mean, they always have have played fairly slow, but I think especially the last couple of years, they've really uh, felt the need to slow down and play on the half court. And uh, you know, battle could kind of bail you out, but like it just doesn't work when you're playing a combo guard, a point guard, mm-hmm. a guy you barely played last year in the wing. Like 
they they got to free these guys. Like get Quincy Garrier some some fast break stuff. Get Bryson Gadeen freed up and let him run the floor a little bit. Like let some of these bigs get up and down. I know it doesn't really fit great with the zone, but I think you have to make some changes. I think if 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 Cuse loses this game, this that's when the the alarm bell starts to sound because not only did they lose. You know, at MSG, they got blown out twice. Or not at MSG, Barkley Center. Mm-hmm. They got blown out twice. So this is a game where, like, if they lose... That's why I feel like they're going to win the game almost. It's just, like, they're going to have had a wake-up call. Everyone's sleeping on them. They're just going to, like, show up and, and ball and, like, kind of convince everybody that they're not completely terrible yet. But, like, if they don't play significantly better than they did last week, it's going to be a big problem. Yeah, it'll be... Uh... It'll be interesting. It'll be. It always is with Syracuse lately. It seems like anyway. Um, your guys go on the road. You guys are going to Chestnut Hill. For those of you who don't know, uh, Kevin's a Northwestern guy. Uh, going on the road, Chestnut Hill, Boston College on the road. Boston College has been. I'm not going to say good, but they were. They've been better than I anticipated uh, prior to the last couple of games. I did not get to watch the Richmond game, but they got you know beat down yesterday by Richmond. Um, Derek Thornton's been better, I think, than we all anticipated. Jay Heath certainly better than we anticipated. Nick Popovich is good, um, but you know, not a whole lot around him. Uh, Stephen Mitchell has you know done his regular jack of all trades stuff all season long. I have admittedly not seen Northwestern play, so I'm going to take Boston College at home. But uh, tell me about the Wildcats. Yeah, the Wildcats are in very much a rebuilding year. Um, it was, you know, you know, they were picked last by everybody in the Big Ten, and they're kind of in a race with Nebraska for, for that spot now because <laughs> Nebraska's been so bad. But, like, Northwestern's had some really promising moments. Like, if you told me preseason that Northwestern would lead by 20 against both Providence and Bradley, I would be really confident, even assuming that we would have lost the second game against uh, either Kansas State or Pitt. That that would have meant that Northwestern was like five and one going into this game, and obviously the two bye game losses hurt quite a bit. But I think that's just the growing pains of a young team. Uh, you know, they're they're starting Pat Spencer at point guard, he's a grad student, but you know he's also a lacrosse player. So uh, it's just stuff he's kind of work- you're working through with a young team. Uh, the offense has been inconsistent at times. It's looked really good. Pete Nance has really taken the next step and and developed nicely as a sophomore. Ryan Young's been solid up front. This is a game where if Northwestern plays. The way it's played in its wins, they will look very good and beat Boston College, I think, handily. Uh, and if Northwestern looks the way that it's looked in some of its losses, it could lose by 15. And I'm kind of at the point where they could lose by 15 or win by 15 in pretty much every game they play, and I wouldn't be stunned. Uh, i gotta roll with, got to roll with my cats here uh, just because of how bad Boston College looked against uh, Richmond. But like I said, nothing would surprise me with this team in the A.J. Turner Bowl. How has, uh, like I said, I haven't watched Northwestern yet. How is, uh, what's, what's your, I guess, impression of the, the freshman Robbie Barron? He's better than I expected him to be. And maybe that's because I came in with low expectations for year one because of one, what Pete Nance did in year one, and two, um, what I saw from him in their international trip game that was televised and then their preseason exhibition. And he looked completely out of place on the floor, like he didn't know what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the numbers don't pop off the page with Robbie right now, but I just feel like he's looked like he belongs on on, on the floor. Like he he makes some pop plays every so often. You're like, wow, or he can you know he can run the floor and block shots. He can you know hit some threes. He's looked really good shooting the basketball. He's comfortable in the high post when teams zone up. Uh, so I think he's going to be a really good player in time. If he can make a similar jump to what Pete Nance did, 
he's going to be special, and that front court's going to be special because uh, you know Nance kind of went from this gangly six ten kid who was really skilled in high school, but didn't know how to use those things functionally in college basketball yet. Mm-hmm. Last year, to this kind of you know true foreman who could step out and shoot, play inside, run the floor, and I think if Barron can make that type of jump, and that's obviously kind of a step. For anyone to do, I mean, Nance has done it so far, but it's not something you can expect. But if he can do that, he's going to be really fun to watch going forward. But I think, uh, you know, Barron's early returns have been pretty positive. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him kind of develop as as his career moves along. He was a guy that I really, really wanted at Georgia Tech. Um, <clears throat> probably the marquee matchup for, I guess, the entire the entire uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge. Michigan travels to Louisville, 7.30 on Tuesday night. Again, you and I both impressed by Michigan. However, I personally think that Louisville is currently the best team in the country, though they haven't really played anybody of note, I guess, would be the easiest way to say that. I mean, they're, the best win they have right now is the Miami game um, opening night. They did uh, you know, beat Western Kentucky pretty handily on Friday night. I'm going to go with Louisville. I just think Jordan Wara is going to be able to get his points. I'm a little shaky on the point guard situation, but Louisville's played through it so far. Uh, I assume you're going to go Michigan, but uh, maybe not. Yeah, I, I think we're going to go to Louisville here. Uh, I picked Louisville to win the ACC preseason in like early October and then got really scared that I'd made the wrong move. Uh, <laughs> but but remorse. I'm, I'm feeling good now. I'm feeling good now. Um, yeah. I, I, I watched them in their opener against Miami and I've seen a little bit of some of the other um, kind of less, less talented competition games. They kind of look exactly what I thought they'd be, and like the rest of the crowd is just kind of like regressing to Louisville, which has been beneficial. Uh, you know, Perry's been better than I thought at point guard. I did not think that that was the solution with him yeah. uh, playing yeah. a lot of ball screens, but you know, he's been able to make some plays, and uh, I think that place is going to be rocking. Uh, you know, as you said, more has been so terrific, and you know, they just fight. They, I think there's there's some some kind of hangover from playing. Uh, as many games in a short amount of time as, as Michigan played and then coming back to the mainland, having to go on the road, I think all those factors really lead me to pick Louisville here. Yeah, I think the only thing that really scares me is Xavier Simpson against um, Darius Perry. I think that Simpson could just eat him alive. But uh, I, I also think that Louisville is – they got the firepower, I think, to at least put up some points against the obviously a dominant Michigan defense. <clears throat> um Nine o'clock Tuesday night, Florida State on the road goes to Bloomington, uh, Indiana. Like you said, haven't really played anybody, but they also haven't lost. I I've been putting Florida State in my top twenty-five. I think Florida State is better than people realize, and I think Florida State's going to get this win on the road. Yeah, I think Florida State wins this one as well. I've been, you know cautiously impressed with with indiana trace jackson davis is mm-hmm. kind of looked the part down low you know they're 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 guards who are younger this year like uh like armand franklin's given them some good minutes durham and uh Devontae green have been better than they've been in past years so that's been a benefit as well uh for, for this club but yeah i think first real test and you know playing an elite defense i think will really cause this team some problems. Like, they haven't seen anything close to what they'll see defensively in terms of athleticism alone uh, that Florida State brings to the table. They're so disciplined. They can switch everything. Uh, I think that that will cause some real problems for Indiana. Indiana does lose this game at home. Yeah, and, and we've talked about this off-air before, but, you know, 
Florida State has been good this season, and MJ Walker has been bad. So, you know, they, they're kind of winning in spite of him. I mean, Devin Vassell has been as advertised as far as what we expected, as far as the step forward that he's taken. I think Trent Forrest has been really good. And Patrick Williams is one of the most, you know, athletically gifted players I've seen in the entire country this season. That kid is just a freak. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've got a really great group of, of athletes like they always do. But I think in particular this year, just the defensive versatility mm-hmm. uh, of Forrest, the point guard, you can guard multiple positions. Vassell, who's been you know as advertised in terms of the breakout year. Patrick Williams can guard three positions on the floor. And then I think the the other guy that people sleep on for this defense is Raekwon Dre and the impact he makes because he's just so physical and, and, and can guard multiple positions. Uh, yeah, Walker's been kind of what he always has been. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's been the thing that I think everybody keeps – Wait for the break. Oh yeah, he was a you know top thirty recruit. You know he's putting up decent numbers. When's he gonna you know make that next step? But like he always has been just like a chucker, doesn't go to the rim enough, and mm-hmm. is not as good a defender as some of the other guys on the floor. So uh, glad that I was on the MJ Walker's bad bandwagon early. Uh, but I think this team is is very very good, and, and they'll be in good shape going forward. Uh, that pit game for day one of the season mm-hmm. may wind up looking like such a good win for Pittsburgh when we look back on it. Yep. If, if Florida State wins like 25 games and they just like couldn't score on opening night, that's going to look so great for Pitt. And it's going to be like a perfect example of why that first game of the year ACC stuff is kind of madness, but mm-hmm. also you know, makes for some, some really fun storylines. Indeed. And I, I continue to be fooled by the MJ Walker measurables. So um, <laughs> moving on in... Maybe not a great matchup. Rutgers at Pittsburgh, 9 o'clock Tuesday night. Um, Pittsburgh doesn't lose at home very often. Rutgers isn't that good. I'm going to take Pitt at home. I I want to take Rutgers here because I think Peichel is a good coach. Um, but Pitt at home, they just they're typically good under Capel at home so far. So not a not a real great reason, but I like Pitt in this game. Yeah, I mean, if you had told me preseason that Xavier Johnson would struggle as much as he has this year, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously struggle is relative because, like, he's still been very good. It's just mm-hmm. not been, like, the level that we kind of built him up to be. That would have been very surprised if you told me that they were, you know, 6-2 and two and uh, done the job that they've been able to do, beat Florida State, you know, beat Kansas State Northwestern last week. This is just such a tough game. Like you said, they're just t- tough to be at home. So I think I'm going to pick Pitt as well. I think people have kind of sold the Rutgers stock preseason or that, that anyone had bought preseason because they just like randomly lost the same bottom venture and haven't played anyone else. But like they still have pieces. I mean, they, they've been better at guard. They're, they're deep at that spot now. With, you know, McConnell, Harper, Baker, uh, they've gotten some really good play from Paul Mulcahy, their freshman, who's kind of a do everything guy. Uh, I, I think the, the interesting, the interesting battle in this game is whose guards can play better. And if Xavier Johnson gets back to where he was last season and has kind of a breakout performance in this game, Pitt wins this game without problem. If not, Rutgers, I think, is a real shot. But uh, give me, I'll roll the base and take Pitt. Again, kind of riding the home teams here. I, uh, you know, it's when I watch Xavier play this year, he's, he's still tremendously athletically gifted. And it looks like he can get to the rim whenever he really wants to. It's just he hasn't been able to finish, and his jumper just hasn't been there from outside. So, I think he needs to get he's, – he's also one of the best free-throw shooters in the ACC. So if he can get going to the rim, maybe get finished at the rim, and maybe get to the line, that, I think that's where he's going to be able to snap himself out of this. Like you said, he's been good. He just – I mean, preseason I thought he was 
potentially a first-team All-ACC player. And obviously that has uh, kind of backfired on me. One note on Rutgers before we move on. They were able to beat Stephen F. Austin last week. So, <clears throat> um, last game, that. Tuesday night, uh, another marquee matchup. Duke travels to Michigan State in East Lansing. Uh, 9.30 tip. I, I'm still hesitant to be a believer in this Michigan State team. Like I know Winston is, is phenomenal, but I'm not buying a lot of stock in Gabe Brown and Marcus Bingham at this point. Without Josh Langford, I think that's a huge hole. I do like Aaron Henry. Um, I, I think with the way that Duke plays defense now, Joey Baker's starting to shoot it a little bit. Duke on the road at Michigan State. I think it's going to be a tight game, but I like Duke on the road here. Yeah, I mean, give me Michigan State. Uh, Duke is kind of in the exact same pattern that uh, that Kentucky was in after they lost. Like, they played the bye game that they lost to Evansville, and the next time out against Utah Valley was closer than people thought it should be. Mm-hmm. And Duke kind of did the same thing against Winthrop. And I think it's just more symptomatic of where Duke's been all year. I mean, they didn't they didn't play that great to beat Kansas. You know, they, they mm-hmm. kind of slumped through that game. Kansas turned it over, gave it to them pretty much. And then, you know, Duke kind of sleepwalks through Cal and wins by 25 because Cal's terrible. Gets bailed out a couple times by the refs against Georgetown. The game, again, they should win because Georgetown's a fringe NCAA tournament team. Like, we just haven't seen Duke hit its stride yet. And I think, you know, the biggest advantage Duke has in any game is Trey Jones. And not to say that he's neutralized by Cassius Winston because they're mm-hmm. they're very different players. But I think, you know, Jones' is, jo- defense will only do so much to right. slow down Cassius Winston. Uh, and I just think veterans um, at home are, are a lot better than freshmen on the road. Uh, to me, that, that that leads me to believe that Sparty finds a way into, in this one. You know what? You talked me into it. I, you know, I, I'm going to swap from Duke to Michigan State because one thing that I haven't really been impressed with, I mean, Vernon Carey's been amazing. Trey Jones has been good early on. I, Matthew Hurt hasn't been impressive to me. Wendell Moore hasn't been impressive to me. And I think going to East Lansing on the road in that kind of environment I don't think either one of them are going to have a great game. I think Carey's still going to get his, and like you said, Jones is going to play really good defense, but you can defend Winston very well, and he can still get 17. So I think I'm going to go with Sparty at home as well. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of weird. Like you mentioned with Hurt and Moore not being overly impressive. It feels like Hurt's a guy that Duke doesn't quite know how to use mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. Where he's so, he's so skilled and talented, and like they should just be spacing out as much as they can and letting him play in, like, one, four ball screens and, like, leaving Carey down low. And they just haven't quite figured that out. And I think part of that's just the shooting woes. Like, Wendell, Wendell Moore is not much of a shooter. Uh, Cassius Stanley is not a great shooter. And, I mean, hit 48% or something crazy like that early. But he's not he's not as good a shooter. I will let him shoot if he wants to shoot. Yes. Uh, Jack White struggled. Goldwire, when he plays, has struggled shooting the basketball. So I, I just think the, there, there's things to work through with the spacing. And I thought Hurt would just kind of be this zone buster Type and they just haven't quite found the way to use him. I think Moore has been, you know, far more disappointing uh, a player for me. You know, he's a guy that, you know, I follow a lot of these kind of draft Twitter people, and they kept telling me, "I know Moore, I know Moore." You know, he's, he's very good defender, very skilled. So like that, I just haven't seen it yet from him. He feels like he's a step slow, doesn't really know how to create his own shot yet. Uh, so, so it's going to be a long road for Duke. But you know, Carey's a guy who who really has impressed me every time I've watched, and you know, it's 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 really tough to guard one five Trey Jones running Carey. I think. You know, that, that's enough to keep you in any game, but I think Michigan State, again, that experience factor wins out here. Yeah, I mean, I, this Duke team has the makeup of, uh, I'm not sure um, how old you were at the time, but I'm going back on myself here. 
the the Jason Williams, Carlos Boozer, Mike Dunleavy team, you know, obviously Trey Jones can't shoot like Jason Williams could, but Dunleavy is, I think, a proper comparison to Matthew Hurt. Big, tall, um, long, can shoot the ball, can also get to the rim. I don't think Hurt has quite the footwork that Dunleavy did, but, you know, Coach K, the way he used those guys on that team felt like this would be the way that they played this year with this guy because Carey is a Carlos Boozer type as far as you put him in the block, you put four guys around him that can all shoot, and, and you go from there. But the problem is, like you said, Stanley can't really shoot, Trey Jones can't really shoot, but Hurt can, and they're kind of playing almost like they played when Bagley and uh, Wendell Carter were there, and I don't think that's really his game. Yeah, I would, I would, I would completely agree. I will also note that if, if that Duke team was the 2001-2002 Duke team, which I think it was, I was two years old. So, <laughs> making you feel old today. Yes, awesome. Dating myself. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on to Wednesday night. Notre Dame on the road at Maryland, who uh, dismantled, I guess would be the proper word, uh, Marquette this weekend. Notre Dame can't shoot still. I don't know why I expected that to change over the course of the offseason. But uh, I'm just... I don't know if in a, in a matchup of coaches, I like Mike Bray, but a young team on the road at Maryland who looks like one of the best teams in the country right now, regardless of who their coach is, I guess I got to go with the Terps at home. Yeah, I'll kind of keep begrudgingly taking Maryland at games where you know I think I think the interesting you mentioned the Marquette game and obviously it was so impressive and it was the kind of the demonstration of what this Maryland team's ceiling is, but mm-hmm. like. That game is going to make a lot of people forget that they sleepwalked through two games against Temple and Harvard mm-hmm. and just didn't really show up. They you know, they sleepwalked in their opener against Holy Cross for a while and their talent shined through. They sleepwalked in the first half against Rhode Island and their talent shines through. Like At some point, this team's going to have to put together 40 minutes, and they did it against Marquette, but that's going to have to become a more consistent thing to win against good Big Ten teams. And really to contend for a title, if that's what their aspiration is. Against Notre Dame, I think they, they should have enough, especially at home. But it, it becomes awfully easy after, you know, beating Marquette by 21 and having everyone tell you how great you are to then come out at home against Notre Dame, a team that you know, not everybody loves. And all of a sudden you feel like you're a million bucks and you, you kind of lay up a stinker and Notre Dame winds up in it late. So I think I'm going to take Maryland, but I do think uh, that that fall asleep factor is there for sure. Yeah, I think um, right now Ken Palm has it as a 10 point spread. I think that if. You know, if it's 10 or 11, I think Notre Dame probably covers, but Maryland still gets the win. Yeah, totally would totally would smash 10 or 11. Uh, Nebraska goes to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech just really struggled with Bethune-Cookman um, at home. Nebraska, under Fred Hoiberg, not strong so far this year, I guess to put it lightly. I... I'm gonna. This is a team where you could almost see it ending in a tie because both these teams are just... <laughs> but... I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Georgia Tech. They got the best player in Mike Devoe. Um, they've been, I guess, decent at home. But you know, after what I just watched um, an hour ago, I'm not real confident in that pick. I think this Georgia Tech team could lose to just about anybody. That said, Nebraska has been pretty brutal so far this year. So I guess I'm gonna take the Jackets at home. Yeah, the bad news is that Georgia Tech nearly lost to Bethune-Cookman. The good news is that Nebraska might be worse than Bethune-Cookman. <laughs> uh, you know, they're, they're, they're just really bad, way worse than I thought they'd be. I came into the year and thought Nebraska could 
kind of surprise some people because I thought that they had kind of accumulated enough talent in this cobbled together roster. Remember, like they bring back like two percent of their talent of their scoring from last year. They they bring brought in an entirely new roster, and I thought all of them were like good fourth best players, and it turns out they're all like good eighth best players. <laughs> uh, so so it's been a challenge. Um, I do think uh, Georgia Tech wins this game. I just think Nebraska's going to struggle to score. In, in a game like this, they've been they've been better offensively after a really slow start to the year. Uh, but I think if a team can control tempo on them and make them play in the half court, which I think Georgia Tech will be able to do, uh, they should find a way. Uh, what's Alvarado's status here? Alvarado is going to be done until I believe the Kentucky game is, is okay. What we're looking at. All right, so that doesn't help, but I do think Georgia Tech still does find a way. Yeah, this is going to be. You know, this is a game that's probably going to take years off my life because, you know, GTEC should win this game by 10 to 12 points, and it's probably going to be a three-point game, you know, coming right down to the buzzer, and hopefully we don't have a repeat of Arkansas. Um, moving along to one of the slowest games anybody's going to watch all season, Virginia hits the road, goes to West Lafayette on Wednesday night, 7.30 tip. Virginia, uh, you know, not great against Arizona State. You know, a lot of people are still real high on this team. I'm cautiously optimistic that I was still correct in the preseason. I've currently got them, I think, 19th in my poll. This this is a game I've been looking forward to. This is, you know, two games in a row you got Purdue and North Carolina is going to tell us a lot about Virginia, though Purdue and North Carolina might not be what they thought what we thought they were either. I think Virginia gets the win on the road just because Purdue isn't as good as I thought they were going to be either, especially coming down the stretch. No Jell Eastern hasn't really taken a big step forward on offense. I think he's still fantastic defensively. Matthew Harms has been awesome defensively as well, but going up against Diakite and Jay Huff, he might have his hands full. Uh, I'm going to go with Purdue. I think Tony Bennett uh, gets the win on the road. Yeah, I, I do think Virginia wins this game. Um, I know it's been a hot topic of conversation, Virginia, especially in our, our little, we have a little group chat, uh, the Rockin' 25 voters and, it seems like every day somehow there's a Virginia debate. I'm not sure how it happens. It always does. Uh, and, and somehow I've become the Virginia defender, which I don't really know where that came from. But uh, I just think, like, their defense is so ridiculously good and, like, yeah. historically good that they'll find a way to win a lot of games that people are going to be like, why did I just watch this? Uh, and I think this game will be a per- perfect example of this because Purdue, uh, you know, they're, they're good inside, but I think that can be neutralized pretty, I wouldn't say easily, but... Virginia has such good size and they've been so good protecting the rim this year. Purdue just doesn't have a guard who can go create a shot. I think you saw the weakness against Arizona State. Uh, it is obviously good ball movement, but also a guy who can you know, create his own shot like Remy Martin. I don't think Purdue quite has that. You know, Jahad Proctor has been an important ad for them as a grad transfer from High Point. Uh, he's been certainly useful. I'm just not sure that he is enough to kind of will a team pass Virginia, although without Braxton's am Larry. Yeah, I think, you know, It'll be interesting. I think maybe the X factor here is um, uh, Sasha Stefanovic. If he can get hot like he did for a little bit in the in his return against Texas, then Purdue has a shot. But uh, Trevion Williams hasn't really been great. But uh, you know, I think Purdue has a plan. Actually, it's interesting that Ken Palm has a prediction of Purdue winning this game by two, which is very interesting to me. But I, I think. 
like you said, Purdue just they're in a post Carson Edwards world. They're just kind of struggling to find that alpha and that consistency from the outside. And I think you know Virginia can exploit that. Virginia's going to run good offense. They're going to you know points per possession. They're going to be very good. I I think Harms can be effective in this game, but you know Diakite and Hoff are just too good. They're going to drag him all over the court. So I'll take Virginia on the road. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, Wake Forest on the road against Penn State. And I don't understand Wake Forest at all. I don't know how they beat Davidson. Uh, it, Davidson is just not as good as I anticipated coming into the season. And thanks for trying to tell me that. And I didn't listen. Um, you know, Brandon Childress, eh. You know, not the most efficient guy, but he can put points on the board. Wake Forest has kind of quietly won three in a row with that win over Davidson as well as a win over Charleston. And then Long Beach State on Friday, which, yeah. But uh, this uh, this Penn State team, I think they have the best player in the game with Lamar Stevens. I am a Mike Watkins fan as well. I think Penn State gets the win at home. Yeah, I mentioned on the first game we talked about, Miami versus Illinois, that you know Illinois had better win this game at home, and Penn State is kind of in the same boat. This is a game that they had half. They had better win at home. You know, if they think they're an NCAA tournament caliber team, I'm not sure they are. Hmm. Uh, you know, that... that I think a lot of people saw them beat Georgetown by a lot and then kind of stay undefeated for long enough to get ranked by a lot of people when they were kind of forgetting that they nearly just lost to Yale at home. Not that Yale isn't very good. Yale's beat Vermont. Uh, they're, they're still one of the better mid-major teams in the country. But, like, this Penn State team is not as good as people thought they were, but I still think they're good enough to be on the bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be on the bubble, you have to be able to beat teams like Wake Forest. And the, can, the inconsistency of the Pat Chambers era has not been – not having the ability to put teams on the floor that can win up games like a road game at Georgetown. It's been consistently winning games they should win at home. They lose one or two by games a year. They lose a game on at home in conference play against one of the worst teams in the Big Ten every year, it seems like. Wake Forest is an example of the game you have to win if you want to be an NCAA tournament team. I think they do find a way, but Wake Forest has been you know, slightly better of late than I expected them to be. And I had very low expectations, though, so yeah. I will say that. You know, I thought this was the 14th best team in the ACC. You know, the biggest thing with with Wake Forest is they don't shoot the three as well as I thought they were going to coming into the season. I thought um, the addition of Andrian White would have a positive effect on that, which he's actually been pretty good from deep. But Childress has regressed. Shawnee Brown has not developed into the player that I thought he would when he came out. Um and, and once again, Wake Forest doesn't play great defense, and I just think that Lamar Stevens has the potential to have a very good game in this particular matchup. Uh, Wisconsin on the road, coming to Raleigh in a rematch of last year when Brad Davison took, what, 15 charges? Um, I <laughs> Wisconsin struggled recently. I think they've now lost three games in the season. I do like the Reavers kid. Um, I do like Demetri Trice's ability to shoot the ball. I don't really care for Davison all that much. Um, Markel Johnson, one of my favorite players in the country. C.J. Bryce has been a big-time shot maker so far this season. Manny Bates has been fantastic on the defensive end. Got to match up with Reavers in the bucket. I think that's a matchup to watch. I'm going to take NC State at home, but I think this game is probably closer than it should be. Yeah, to me, this is this is another game that's all about tempo. and yeah, Wisconsin has shown that they can... You know, hang in games with more talented, more athletic teams like New Mexico. Uh, I think New Mexico is a great example where, like, this is, like, I'm not saying that New Mexico is some great team. Like, they're probably not even an at-large level team. But, like, New Mexico is a team that is loaded with, like, former four- and five-star kids Mm -hmm. who are transfers down and are super athletic. And 
know, Wisconsin hung in that game by controlling tempo and hitting uh, some jump shots. They just couldn't hit enough from three to win that game. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out down on a small limb here and say Wisconsin's able to control that tempo again. I think and, and win this game. I think North Carolina State really struggles uh, when when teams can keep them in the half court and force them yep. to execute in those areas. I was really unenthused by uh, uh, Pat Andre's ball screen defense against Memphis and the part of games I watched and uh, part of that game I watched. And I do think that could be a, a problem again against Wisconsin, especially with a, a talented big like Reavers. He's been one of the better. Uh, players in the Big Ten so far this season. So uh, this is one of my my weird road dog picks. But I think <laughs> Wisconsin does find a way. Yeah, NC State. I, I was when I on paper, which is why they play the games. On paper, NC State should be a lot better than they than they actually are, and I don't really know why they're they struggle. It's I, I, it's like pushing pushing rocks uphill for them. I just if there was some kind of consistency and flow to their game, they should be running teams out of the building. But for some reason, I, I don't know what the weight is that keeps dragging them down, but they're just not playing to their full potential. Um, yeah, it, it's been weird. It's really been weird with, with, with Keats. And like last year was kind of a similar similar vein with them where they're talented and there's something missing. And I don't know quite what that is, but I think Keats is a good coach. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet, but... Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 weird, and they didn't show up against Memphis in the first half. Kind of came back late, but uh, this is this will be a really good litmus test game for them for sure. Um, probably the best matchup on Wednesday for this is going to be the last game of the night. Ohio State goes to Chapel Hill to take on North Carolina. Ohio State. And I talked about this with uh, Warner on his podcast earlier today. Right now, I think apart from. I think with Louisville, Ohio State looks like the best team in the country for me. I think they had them number four last week. I'm going to probably have them at number two this week. They just, they've got it all. They've got depth. They've got nine guys that can play. They play really hard on defense. Um, Caleb Wesson, fantastic post player. I, I like their, their young guys around him. I think Luther Muhammad has more potential to do good things than what he's shown so far this year. He's a kid that I like going back to when he was in high school. But... You know, Carton has been fantastic in my eyes for a freshman. He's kind of lived up to his billing. I think Ohio State gets this one on the road. Yeah, I mean, it's always tough to go into the Dean Dome and play, but I've been, you know, really impressed with Ohio State on both sides of the ball. Uh, one of the things that, that has jumped out to me was, you know, sometimes with star players, we underestimate their ability to get better because it's like, oh, they're already, they're already a star, right? And so, mm-hmm. like, if you're projecting Ohio State this season, it's like, all right, how, how good can Carton be? How good can... C.J. Walker be a point guard. What can guys like Luther Muhammad and Dwayne Washington do? But we kind of underestimated the fact that like Caleb Blesson was already really, really good and just became a lot better because <laughs> he's in much better shape. He's shooting the ball a lot better. He can stay on the floor more than he has in the past. And he's protecting the rim in a way that he didn't last year. His mm-hmm. block rate's about seven right now. Last year was under three. Uh, the year before was three and a half. So it's just, I mean, it's a game changer. It mm-hmm. absolutely is when he can protect the rim for this defense. They're already really good on the perimeter in that area. So I'm going to take Ohio State. I think uh, you know this offense for for North Carolina is just too Paul Anthony centric right now. Yep. Um, I think Brandon Robinson will continue to kind of step up his game. But they just need more uh, from from the rest of that roster, and uh, I think the front court edge that North Carolina usually has will be neutralized by Weston and uh, the Buckeyes find a way on the road. So you have let's see, what is there? So you've got. The Big Ten winning eight to six. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six. I've got the ACC winning eight to six. So 
right. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting. We'll uh, we'll revisit this and you know in a week, and maybe I'll talk some shit on Twitter if I win, and if I go silent, you guys will know it's because I lost. Kevin, yeah, I need revenge. I need revenge. Yeah, I think I got you by one last year. Um, Yes, you did. So, I know you got to get out of here. You and Brad have um, a podcast to do of your own. So, Kevin, I appreciate you taking the time to join me today, and uh, I guess I'll talk to you in the Twitterverse. Yes, it's been fun. Uh, We're going to have to get you on our show and, and chat up a little bit, but uh, always appreciate you having me. It's uh, it's always fun on Twitter chatting with you and and talking hoops and kind of being unfiltered and having takes. So it's always, always a good time. Appreciate you having me, my man. All right, man. Have a good night. See you later. That was Kevin Sweeney of College Basketball Central and the Rockin' Twenty Five. I appreciate Kevin taking the time to join me. Sorry if you can hear my dog. He just decided that it would be a good time to come in the office and lay down right underneath my feet. Um, you know, Kevin, good guy, bright future, especially in the broadcast journalism business and actually threw me a bone recently. Um, you guys may have seen on Twitter at ACCBR1 that I will be joining better IQ, better IQ, which is basically an info stream, a company that provides statistics and analysis and some research components for college basketball fans who are wagering on the games. So Something that uh, somebody brought to Kevin's attention, and he was nice enough to point the guy in my direction since he didn't have enough time to actually focus on that. So shout out to Kevin. Good guy. I appreciate that. It's uh, It's been a day. Check me out on the Making the Madness podcast with Jonathan Warner, which I did earlier today. Uh, Kevin on again, like I said, was on today, and hopefully I'll have him on again soon, or maybe I can, you know, we talked about me possibly doing the CBB Central podcast, which would be great with him and Brad. Um <clears throat> Upcoming guests, next weekend, I have a really special guest for you guys. Uh, Barstool Riggs is going to join me next weekend. And then the weekend after that, um, Jim Root from Three Man Weave will be joining me as well. So it's going to be a big month. Uh, Hopefully everything gets worked out as far as schedule-wise with those two guys. Really looking forward to both uh, having both of them on the show. Two guys that I follow a ton. Um, I I really like... uh, Fundamentally Sound Podcast was is a go-to uh, podcast for me. There are so many, though. Three Man Weave is also in the rotation. I love those guys. I love their analysis. They tend to you know, look at the game in a different way than what I do, which is always nice because it gives you kind of a, a more full understanding of, of basketball and what some people are looking at and how they, you know, analyze the game. So it's always it's always nice to see things from a different perspective. So those are two guys that are coming up, and I'm working on some other ones for you as well. I'm still working on the Carlton Young interview. Um, you know, obviously we're in the, the middle of college basketball season, so it's tough to lock him down. But uh, I'm still hopeful that that's going to happen. I will keep you guys updated on Twitter as to if and when. Appreciate you guys taking the time to join me for the ACC Basketball Report. I will see you next week.